thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back to It's Cavalier Podcast. Today, I am joined by none other than Justin Matcham of the Cavs Central Pod. Thanks for coming on, Justin. Thanks for having me, Mac. I'm glad to finally get on this podcast with you. Uh, you know, we've done a couple of them already, but uh, glad to finally get over on your side here. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Cavs community as a whole, man, just it's awesome to kind of collaborate with everybody within the Cavs community of uh, podcasters. Everybody's just so, you know, down to earth. Everybody's so cool. So thanks for coming on again. So uh, with that being said, we'll go ahead and jump right into it, man. I just, it, this is, this question has really been on my brain lately with, with uh, the current layout of contracts that Cle- uh, that Cleveland is going to have to analyze and see what kind of fits uh, and and what works best moving forward, we know that Jared Allen is going to command a, a high salary. Uh, what and how much is to be determined? But I just wanted to ask, what is his value in your opinion? What is Jared Allen's value? And obviously, being a restricted free agent makes it a little bit more complicated, just because you know that often does times allow players to kind of bargain and, and get some more money than they would if they were an unrestricted free agent, just because teams can throw an, an offer sheet at a team that's bigger, just, you know, knowing that the, the main team will match the, the former team will match. So we might see Jared Allen. Well, we will see Jared Allen sign a big contract regardless. Um, as far as what I would feel comfortable with and what I would like to see, I think something similar to what a guy like Clint Capella got uh, with Atlanta or rather with, with Houston, but with Atlanta now being kind of in that 16 to $18 million a year range, I think, you know, looking at those two as players, I think that's a, a fairly accurate, an accurate comparison as far as just, you know, level of player goes. And I think Clint's had a fantastic year, but I think Eric can get there, obviously. Um, so I'm going to say in that range uh, around, I'll say 17 to 20 is, what I would be comfortable with and what I would be happy with. But obviously, again, you, you don't know what teams are going to do in restricted free agency. And if a team like Charlotte Hornets or someone else decides to throw them a big offer sheet, you know, if it's in the 22 to 23 range, I think I'd be comfortable matching that as well. Okay. All right. So in that same line of thought then, because uh, on, I think it was two episodes, two episodes ago for me, I had Zach Weiss on of across the Cavs and he was aligned the line uh, along the lines of not handing out a five-year contract to a big man such as Allen. Uh, do you think four four years probably works better than the five? Well, I think you definitely go with a four-year contract for him. Uh, obviously, you know we view Jared Allen as a key piece of this team at this point. Um, you know, twenty-three years old. You know, already a very, very impactful, useful player for this team. Uh, the problem with five-year extensions uh, and designated rookie extensions is that teams could only have two of them on the roster at the same time. Uh, and you're looking at a Colin extension this summer, you know, potentially as well, if not next offseason. Uh, we're going to have to see how Garland continues to develop and see if he becomes one of those guys. Um, obviously, they're going to draft somebody if they draft one of those top five guys who you know has a real chance to be a high-level guy as well. Uh, I think when you get into that type of stuff, you're kind of looking at other guys who, okay, you know, do we want to prioritize Jared Allen above everyone else? Uh, I'm personally going to say no to that. Uh, again, not a knock on him at all as a player. I just think you look at positions of importance as well. Um, obviously, it's important to have a good starting center, but I don't think that Jared Allen is the piece that we're building around. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick to four years on his on his contract most likely. 
Okay, I could definitely understand that point of view, especially with uh, a lack of a real perimeter game for Allen and, you know, just the general way of how big men tend to age uh, this day and age. Um, I think really the only thing stopping Allen from commanding a max salary is, you know, a solid or at least a three-point shot that could threaten. Um, there are a couple of things I'd like to see him, you know, clean up on. I'd like to see a little bit more, and he's worked on this recently. I'd like to see a little bit more effort on the offensive end when it comes to rebounding. Uh, but the flaws in his game, I think will kind of smooth out as time goes. He's still a really young guy. I think he's only 23 years old, if I'm not mistaken. So he has a ton of time to develop. Uh, in regards to, you know, the Colin Sexton contract, that's a whole nother issue, man. And I know you all, I think you, Amadou, and uh, Dan Galinsky yeah. covered this on your last episode. Uh, Collinsworth, man, that is heavily debated as well. Uh, Colin Sexton has divided fans, even within the, the, the Cavalier fandom, man. He's really divided what – Val- what true value is at that guard spot there's certainly some extremes out there yeah uh you, you look at you know there are people out there on twitter uh who shall remain nameless who think that he is a, a absolute surefire you know star uh give him the max contract this offseason and then you have some of the other people out there who are on the out- complete opposite side of the spectrum you know the the, the guys who well, he can't play with Garland. He's not worth a max. You know, trade him. Um, Saxland can't work. All of that stuff. But, um, yeah, with, with Jared Allen, um, I don't think he is worth a max contract. And, again, anything can happen in restricted free agency. Um, that's probably, like, the one situation where you do let Jared Allen walk, as painful as it might be, as if he were to get a max offer sheet, which I, I definitely don't expect. But um, you mentioned some things that, you know, could take him to the next level. Uh, consistent jump shot definitely would be one of those things. Um, we've seen flashes. Overall, he's a solid free throw shooter, and, you know, that gives us some hope. Uh, just has solid touch around the rim overall, and we've seen him, you know, slowly expand his range a little bit as well, uh, not only for mid-range, but even some three-point attempts as well. And he's hit some of them, and the, the form is obviously not perfect, but it's not horrible either. I don't think it's JaVale McGee bad. Uh, obviously, when you're that tall and that long, um, the shot's not always going to look super pretty unless you're, you know, Kristaps Porzingis or someone else like that. But, um, yeah, I think he's definitely getting there and he's definitely working on it. And being 23 years old, uh, there's definitely reason to believe that uh, he could be at least, you know, a respectable floor space, you know, in the prime of his career. Um, with that being said, looking at some other things that I think could get him to that level, um, I think just adding strength uh, in any way that he could, he's, he is kind of thin and uh, even on his finishes, sometimes around the rim, as good of a finisher as he is inside um, and obviously a great lob catcher. Uh, he, he can get pushed around a little bit as well um, against bigger centers uh, can struggle to, to, you know, go through them. And I think that he kind of struggles with those matchups on the defensive end as well. Uh, just not being able to, you know, gets back down a little bit easier than, you know, a bigger guy would. And I think just, you know, being able to finish through contact, we see him, you know, on a lot of times on fouls, not only from, you know, big centers, but even, you know, wings and guards coming in and fouling him and preventing him from scoring. And obviously in those situations, he's still getting two free throws, uh, but I'd like to see him be able to finish through contact a little bit better. Yeah, that's definitely going to be something that I anticipate him working on uh, over the course of the off season. Uh, speaking of young players who need to develop, man, Isaac Okoro. Okoro has has really had a great month of May, or at least in my you know estimation. But there also seems to be a point of contention on whether or not he has done enough to warrant a spot on one of those two all rookie teams. Now ahead of him right now, we have the likes of Lamella Ball, Anthony Edwards, Jason Tate, Tyrese Halliburton, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, Amenia Quickly, Desmond Bain, Cole Anthony. That the, and the list could possibly go on if you're if you're NBA.com. That is now and their latest rookie ladder. That's really the order they had it in. Um, I really don't see any other rookies popping in, especially with what one game left to go. Yeah, I don't think anyone else is, unless 
unless let's say Patrick Williams drops about 65 in the uh, Bulls closure, I think that's safe to say. <laughs> yes. So in regards to his placement on one of those two teams, he's not really going to have to compete with anybody else other than Jay Sean Tate, Sadiq Bay, and maybe Isaiah Stewart, depending upon how they they construct the teams. I know they're kind of loose with positions nowadays in regards yeah, on the, to on the rookie teams. I don't think they, they factor in position at all. Yeah. So he definitely of, if you're going in that model, strictly one through 10, I think there's a place for him there. It just all comes down to me. Cause if you're looking at counting stats, if you're, you know, uh, just a, a casual fan, you see Okoro, I think, listed at 9.4 points per game. That doesn't scream all rookies. But the value that he provides to the team in regards to his defensive effort and really his development over the year, man, it's it's been very encouraging to see. I think uh, post-All-Star break, the, the guy's averaging 10.8 points. Uh, he's dishing out two assists, grabbing 3.4 boards. The three-point shooting, you know, that's that's really been something he's definitely still going to have to work on, 28.1% in, uh, you know, in regards to that. But I have liked what I've seen from him, and I would no doubt give this man a spot on the all-rookie team. But I know that there are going to be detractors that will say that, you know, in, in regards to traditional box score stats, he just doesn't add enough. Where do you weigh in on that? I will say I, I do definitely love Isaac Okoro a lot, uh, and especially with him getting getting this opportunity as of late, with especially with Darius Garland out and Jetty missing a stretch of games and Del Vadova being out, obviously. Just, just missing ball handlers. We've kind of got to see him experiment in that role a little bit of – kind of a lead ball handler. And I think it's been a really, really fun and successful experiment for him. Uh, obviously the, the jump shot at this point still kind of comes and goes. And we, we, we expect that from him at this point, we, we can see some flashes. And one thing about Isaac, obviously, you know, the, the percentages are bad on the threes. Um, and he definitely has his bad games from out there, but we do see him hit a lot of difficult shots from outside too. Uh, you know, whether it be step backs or off the dribble uh, or, you know, side steps, pump fakes and, you know, sit, I just I think seeing him take some of those shots is encouraging just to be able to I guess just projecting his his long-term viability uh, shooting wise so from that standpoint I am obviously thrilled with where we're at with him Um, defensively we know what he is uh, capable of guarding the best player every night you know at least out on the perimeter logging not only among rookies but along NBA players you know upwards of the top of the league and minutes per game and you know been able to stay durable which I think especially in a season like this is you know a huge thing to consider um, but even with that being considered I think there are three guys on the all-rookie first team that are locks being Lamella Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, and Anthony Edwards and in that kind of second tier I see other guys like you said Sadiq Bey, Jay Sean Tate, and I kind of think Desmond Bain and Emmanuel quickly are in that kind of tier as well. Um, looking at the first team, I do not currently have Isaac Okoro on it. I definitely have him firmly on the second team, uh, but I just think all four of those guys I would probably put above him. Uh, right now, I have Sadiq Bay and Jayshon Tate there with just kind of leaving Emmanuel quickly out. Um, do you have him on your first team? Emmanuel quickly or Okoro? Uh, Okoro. No, I don't think he has. If I'm being a realist, I, I can't put him up there. I don't think he's done enough, or at least not more than the other players who may be slightly more deserving than him. So I can't, in confidence, put him on the first team. I'm with you there, yeah. Um, like I said, I just think Jay Sean Tate has come in, and obviously the ceiling isn't super high there, but just come in and been such an impactful basketball player right away. Yeah, he's a, I think he's you can like say the same about Day. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I really have liked what I've seen out of just about each one of these guys. Um, Okoro being drafted at, uh, you know, fifth overall, you know, obviously the thought was that he could provide uh, defense, especially for uh, a team that is undersized in the guard department. Uh, so I think he's lived up to that billing. You know, he's he's had some off nights in regards to, you know, guarding some of the, the best players in the NBA. You know, being thrown to LeBron James in your first month of play, that's no joke. And he's seen some of the best 
well, hardest really defensive matchups and defensive assignments on the team on a game to game basis. Uh, from that so- standpoint, I'm, I'm sold on what I've seen from him. I'm, I'm heavily encouraged on what I see on the offensive side. I, his, his cutting has come a long way. His, his confidence in taking shots has definitely come a long way. Um, I, I, I truly do believe the three-point shooting will come eventually. Uh, I don't see him having a, a, an all-star upside. Uh, career-wise but I do see him definitely making the all defensive team at some point uh, whether that be in the next uh, two to three years or onward Um, I definitely think he could develop into one of the one of the league's premier three and D uh, weapons if if he uh, if he really wants to and if he really works hard at it so I could definitely see that being the case with him but in regards to the first and second rookie teams you, you can't really put him above some of these other guys on the list. Uh, I have him on the second team. And I think I'm, I'm hoping that the NBA sees it that way, but you just never really know, man. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> I don't know. I think, especially as of late, Isaac Okoro has gotten enough kind of exposure to the media, especially with that outburst against Phoenix. Um, I think people definitely know who he is. It's not like he's just kind of hiding in Cleveland. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Detroit guys, uh, Isaiah Stewart in particular. Uh, I think, you know, he probably deserves a spot on that second team as well. Um, you know, I don't think James Wiseman deserves to be there. Uh, but again, you know, the way that voting is done, we'll, we'll just have to see whether they include him or not. But uh, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. I think he definitely deserves to be on that second team, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't even have Wiseman in the top 10 rookies. Uh, Neither do I. Neither do I. So we'll have to see in regards to what happens with that. And, uh, you know, just kind of moving along with this this whole thing of development and, and rookies and, and young players really in general. So obviously coming into this season, our roster looked very much different. <laughs> that would be an yes. understatement. Um, this, this really, this era, maybe even just this year in particular, has rivaled the, 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 the Kyrie Irving, the, the first – two to three years of Kyrie Irving's career. He's, there was so much shuffling in regards to the roster. And the same can really be said for, for this current rebuild that we're in. We've seen a lot of movement. Of these players on the roster right now, who has developed the most this year? Now, I'm gonna, I, I will go ahead and include Jared Allen, guys like Jared Allen and Dean Wade, uh, Hell, even Lamar Stevens. I'll include them just because we have seen them do well, and we've we, we've seen them earn contracts in their own right. Uh, but as the roster in its entirety, who has really developed the most this year? Well, I think the obvious answer uh, is Darius Garland, just because. You know, from from where we were at the end of last season, and I think we kind of knew that just the factors that were involved with him not being 100% healthy and him not trusting his body and just not having full control of his body from, you know, that kind of shiftiness and explosiveness standpoint, uh, we, we kind of finally got to see the real him this year. Um, that's not to knock anybody else, but I just think from, you know, the rough season with promising flashes, albeit uh, that, that we had last year to becoming really a, a potential star, uh, this year, I think, is a really, really big leap that he's taken. Um, Isaac Okoro, I, I, I won't include rookies, but, um, you know, Colin Sexton has definitely made progress. I think we kind of expected him to make this progress. I don't think it's been as big of a leap as Darius. Uh, Colin was definitely a better player last year as well. So, you know, a little bit higher floor to start from. Um, looking at other guys. I think Dean Wade is someone who deserves, you know, a lot of props for the progression that he's made Um, from being a guy, you know, on a two-way contract last year who really didn't get any run at all with, you know, the Cavs. He played really well in the Canton charge, averaged about 14 points on 50, 40, 85 shooting splits, I believe. Yeah. Uh, So for him to, you know, come from just a situation where getting, you know, very, very spot minutes and, you know, garbage time and whatever else, uh, being someone who just kind of looked timid on the floor almost last season, uh, never really looked confident in his abilities when he was out there. And to come out this season and do what he's done, I mean, the guy, obviously he hasn't been, you know, in 
the starting rotation when everyone's healthy, but to be a starter and someone who you can rely on, you know, not screw up and has his moments, definitely shooting the ball. Um, I think we've seen a lot of progress from him defensively as well. I think he's actually a pretty good defender. Uh, they wouldn't start him at the three if he wasn't um, as a four man to be able to move the feet, to move his feet the way he does uh, kind of in the same way as Larry Nance allows him to guard out on the perimeter, which is, you know, a really, really, really nice thing to have versatility wise. So I think Dean Wade is definitely another guy who, you know, deserves a lot of credit for the development that he's had. Yeah, I really have enjoyed the development I've seen from just about each and every one of these guys. Uh, Obviously, with the massive amount of injuries that Cleveland has had to deal with, um, it's opened the door for that, you know, and that's that's one of the positive things that you can take away in a season like this in which, uh, you know, obviously it's another year without playoff basketball in Cleveland. And that's if that's a small price that we have to pay as an organization to – to really set up a foundation, you know, for, for lasting success, then I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I wrestled with that all year, to be honest with you, man. Uh, but honestly, I would have rather have us, uh, the, the Cavaliers really get their ass handed to them this season and get another high pick and be able to, you know, for, further add to the uh, the young core than to get a, a first round exit, <laughs> in which we would have or gotten annihilated. Yes, yes. So a play in, or you know, a first round exit, whatever, what have you. I would have much rather have taken this path that we're on right now than for that to have happened because that would have just. <laughs> although it's like a double edged sword, you know what I'm saying. I absolutely know what you're saying. And yeah, I I'm with you. Um, I think whatever happened this season was going to happen. And I'm just kind of glad that it did happen naturally. Um, we, we saw a competitive team that got struck by injuries and, you know, kind of fell off the face of the earth a little bit. And obviously trading Andre Drummond didn't help with that. Uh, the fact that KPJ never came back the way he thought, you know, and had the impact that we thought he might have when he did come back, obviously that hurts. Uh, we don't have to have the Kevin Porter Jr. discussion right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think having Kevin Love out the entire season, almost, you know, having Delvadova out almost the entire season, uh, just, you know, and obviously and Matthew Delvadova isn't a world beater, but it's just small things like that. And obviously so many other guys who dealt with injuries slash illness or concussions or whatever else. Um, yeah, I can't say that I am disappointed in the season at all. Um, I thought before the season that we would be right about where we are now. And I think the fact that we had those promising flashes in the beginning uh, is a good thing. Uh, I think that wasn't just a fluke. Uh, We saw, you know, how this team can play when they're all healthy and they're all together. And we just have to hope for good health next season. Uh, And like you said, with, you know, having a better pick, uh, we we really have to hope that we can get one of those top five picks. But <laughs> if we do land in the top five, I think that this kind of rough stretch that we've we've had here, you know, as of late, will be totally worth it. Um, I'm, I'm definitely I'm not with the the skies falling camp and that you know this is just an incompetent team. Um, I'm not with you know the uh, the jo- the Joe Vardens, the Jason Lloyds, the Sam Amicos of the world who are, you know, experienced GMs who know exactly what they're talking about. I'm not exactly with them. Um, I think this team is, you know, just kind of staying course. And, yes, they've been hit hard by injuries. And, yes, they're also a really, really, really young team that's going to be inconsistent. Uh, but I just think we've seen so much from so much of these, so many of these young guys. Uh, and not all of them have worked. We're going to have to see what happens with Dylan Windler. Um, obviously, like we said, you know, KPJ is a situation that just didn't work out. But I still don't see why there's, you know, such a pessimistic cloud around this team right now. You know, there's just the promise that so many of these players have. I don't get it. I, I really don't. I mean, and hey, we won more than 19 games this year. <laughs> That's a victory right there. I mean, all jokes aside, this this season has represented just another step forward in terms of progression and development, player growth, things of that nature, continuity, and that's that's really been uh, a big issue in Cleveland. Uh, you know, in, in in regards to these rebuilds, you've seen so much shuffling in regards to coaching and uh, players, and 
man, it's just, it, it's been a whirlwind. So it's been nice to get a little bit of continuity. And I know JB's job is probably safe, you know, heading into next season, uh, as it should be dealt with all the injuries and whatnot. Um, but I've, I cannot, I, even on my worst day, even when I'm watching Cleveland getting, you know, obliterated, I, I cannot definitively say that I'm, that I'm not happy with what I've seen from them this season. Uh, with that being said, I guess that's a good segue into what are your expectations heading into the offseason for them in regards to free agent signings? Who would you like to see them bring in? And who would you like to see them let go of? Well, I think so much of what they do in the offseason as far as free agency goes is going to depend on who they draft. Um, if they draft if they draft a guard, uh, I definitely think that where you have seen well, I guess before before I get into any of that, I think we have seen the end of a couple of the guys on the roster. Um, I do not expect Matthew Dolvadova to be back. Uh, and it, it was nice that he was able to come and, you know, play the spurt that he did this season. Uh, but I just think there are better alternatives out there. And even for the locker room presence that he provides, uh, this team doesn't have a ton of open roster spots heading into next season. Um, so I think he's probably gone – I think Anderson, obviously Anderson Verjao is gone as well. <laughs> uh, it's been a nice experience and a nice run. And obviously, like, honestly, I think what we've seen from him is more than I expected. Like the guy cannot move, you know, to save his life. I could probably beat him in a sprint right now. But um, overall, I think, you know, it's just seeing him, you know, still do some stuff out on the floor, seeing him hit some elbow jump shots, uh, you know, the classic Anderson Verjao go one for two at the free throw line every single time is still alive and well. Um, that's beautiful to see. We've seen him work in the post a little bit, see him rebound. We even got a block against, I believe, TJ Leaf early yeah. on. <laughs> uh, so it's been a fun experience, but um, I definitely don't think that this is something to carry into next season. Um, so I think both of those guys you can look at. And obviously the fact that he's on a hardship anyway, doesn't mean we have a roster spot moving forward for him. Um, I think Damian Dotson, we would be wise to just cut ties with him as well. Uh, he is a non-guaranteed $2 million, you know, contract for the next season. Uh, and he would be an understood free agent after that. Um, at this point, I almost feel like Damian Dotson would feel, would be lucky to get a guaranteed minimum contract from anyone next season. Um, I agree. Maybe he's a guy who gets a shot on a 10 day, you know, somewhere, some team that just kind of needs a little bit extra ball handling and shooting. Um, but guaranteeing Damian Dotson $2 million, I think, would be a mistake, especially, again, on a team where roster spots are so precious. Um, and you have another pick coming in as well. So it's not like they have, you know, a ton to work with. So I think cutting ties with him would probably be wise. Uh, and then we're going to have to see what happens with Isaiah Hardenstein as well. Uh, I would, again, love to see him back. I don't expect him to pick up his one point seven six two million dollar player option i think he's worth more than that as a player if you can come to a reasonable uh, agreement with him something i would say you know in the maybe five six million per year range i think that would be great to see has he priced himself out of cleveland if in in talking about the jared allen uh deal that's upcoming has hartenstein hartenstein priced himself out I don't think he's priced himself out. He's proven that like he definitely is an NBA player and that's great. Uh, and he's young enough. Uh, again, I don't think I would pay him like upwards of like a full non-taxpayer mid-level money type of money. Um, I definitely think he'll get a raise from what he's making right now, which is minimum, but I don't think he's priced himself out. I think he should still be somebody who they are able to bring back at a reasonable price. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely uh, roll with that. I, I really liked what I saw out of him. I think he obviously he was in a bad situation in Denver. He was really probably never going to be able to be given enough time to blossom. Uh, obviously playing about behind one of the best players in the NBA today and the Joker. But I have excellently uh, obviously liked what I've seen from him. I'm just I'm cautiously optimistic on whether or not we're going to be able to retain him because there there's a lot up in the air right now in regards to contracts. We'll see, but he's definitely a guy I'd love to see return. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess just looking out and seeing, you know, other guys who would maybe be interesting to bring in, uh, especially if we don't go the route of drafting a guard, I think, you know, this team will definitely be in the market for a backup point guard. 
Um, Patty Mills out in San Antonio is an obvious name that I think would do wonders for this team. Uh, just somebody who is not afraid to, you know, chuck it up from outside and, and, you know, take a bunch of threes per game. And I've, I've joked on Twitter, you know, hopefully it's in the event that they were to <laughs> sign him, hopefully uh, JB Bickerstaff's, you know, wondrous creative offensive sets wouldn't limit him to like two threes a game. But, um, you know, I just think having that offensive boost off the bench and somebody as fearless as him, who also is a capable playmaker, uh, if they were able to bring him in on a mid-level, I think having that, uh, along with guys like Tarian Prince being back would, would really, really lift this offense and just help them stay afloat when, you know, Sexton and Garland are off the floor. Uh, so I think someone like that is somebody who would be like an ideal target. Um, maybe something a little bit more realistic, though, if the Cavaliers, you know, decide not to spend big money on a free agent, you know, at least at that position this offseason. Uh, Brad Wanamaker is somebody who I would keep an eye out for. Um, I, had, I, I think a solid year a uh, couple seasons ago with Boston uh, went to Golden State and didn't play great, uh, but was pretty much dumped to Charlotte where he's actually been all right. Again, not, not somebody who's going to be a world beater, not anything more than just kind of a stopgap backup point guard, right. but again, someone who can just kind of do a little bit of everything, a capable shooter, um, you know, just a dependable ball handler who I think we would get more out of than what we've seen from Delvadova this year. And at minimum money, I think that would be just fine for a one-year type deal. Okay, for sure. Yeah. So I, I have to ask, uh, <laughs> the, the question obviously, you know, is one that I'm sure is on the minds of many a Cavalier fan. And that is, if Cleveland does, in fact, draft a guard, where does that leave this team in regards to their starting lineup? I think it depends on who they draft. Um, well, the, the two names that I'll look at in particular are Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs. Um, I am not the highest in the world on drafting Jalen Suggs for this team, just because again, I think that one's a little bit shakier of a fit with Sexton and Garland than say Jalen Green might be. Uh, and and Jalen Green, I don't think would be a terrific fit either. I think it's just a better one. Um, but let's say that the Cavaliers draft Jalen Green. I think you can start all three of those guys. Um, can you, you start move with Okoro to the bench? See, that's the that's where you kind of get into some problems. I think with a guy like Jalen Green, the talent is too much to pass up on. Um, I think he would be just doing wonders for this team. I think in the event that this team were to draft Jalen Green, we would probably roll out to start the year with Darius Garland, um, Colin Sexton, Jalen Green, whoever the hell is going to play the four for this team next year. We don't know. (laughs) And hopefully Jared Allen. Um, I think you kind of run that as an experiment just to see how those three guards kind of work together. Um, And if things kind of go rough, with that, say, and again, I, I'm not making any predictions here. I'm just saying, I, I'm this is just speculation. But say that, you know, there is a little bit of overlap there between, you know, the, the scoring abilities of Sexton, the scoring abilities of Jalen Green, and the defensive pairing is just not working. Uh, I think in that event, Jalen Green is the type of talent that I may, after not seeing it work, be comfortable moving Colin Sexton to the bench for. Okay. I, I am not going to be a guy who says that Colin Sexton has to be a bench player <laughs> because he can't pass and he can't do this and he can't do that and whatever else. I'm not saying that I don't like Colin Sexton. I'm just saying in the event that you get a guy as talented and as good and with so much potential as Jalen Green, if that lineup isn't working out, and maybe you bring Jalen Green off the bench, I'm not sure. And you'd still have decisions to make there long term. But, um, I think one of those two guys would probably be it. I think Darius Garland is safe where he's at. Uh, I think Isaac Okoro would definitely be the guy who comes back into the starting lineup in that event. Uh, But I think you probably just start all three of those guards, at least to start the season, just to see what you have in all of them. I'd love to see a three guard lineup in that regard. I do like what green brings to the table. I'm just curious, you know, if the situation were to rise and like you said, this really is all speculation at this point up, you know, up to really the draft, uh, whatever, whatever Cleveland, wherever they finish at, whatever draft pick they get and really what decision they make in that regard. Because like you said, who the hell is going to play the four 
uh, we could <laughs> wow everybody and take somebody like that. If we hit the lottery, obviously. And, and get hey, guys. if we get Con- Jonathan Kuminga or Evan Mobley, you undoubtedly start him at the four. I don't care what you do with Kevin Love, but you, you start those guys. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So, you know, if you get Kaminga, I think love, uh, sayonara, or you take him off the bench. You find something. Yeah, Yeah. you do something with him. I, you know, at this point, I I have been the biggest believer in Kevin Love, but it's hard to, you know, to to really have a guy's back when he's just sends so many subliminal messages all year. (laughs) Uh, That's a whole other conversation, but. Back to the topic at hand. If I'm just really curious to see if they do have to move Sexton to the bench, how well that sits over with him because he's he's seen all this, you know, in in, in real time. These guys, they're human. They they look at these types of things. I just wonder what that does to the psyche of this man because all year they've been calling him a six man and or or at least saying that's his best role. Um, and I, there's validity in both sides of the argument. I get it. You know, he, he does excellent when working, you know, with and against second units and his scoring punch is very similar to what, uh, you know, a guy like Lou Williams provides, but I just wonder what that does to his psyche moving forward. If that is the case, I, I love what I've seen from Garland. I think that you're absolutely correct. I think that you don't move him no matter what, um, but in regards to, you know, the, the the lineup as a whole, I would not be, in, you know, against seeing a three-guard lineup to start the season. I, wonder, I think you have to at least try it. Yeah, I mean, and with JB, um, he's going to be doing, you know, whatever he has to in order to, you know, to remain in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll definitely see what happens in that regard. If we get Kaminga, this all begins uh, – this all is a, is a moot point. If we get mm-hmm. – if we luck into – Kate Cunningham, which I don't see it happening, but if it does, you know, obviously I think you could you could roll him out at either you know three or four. Uh, really, you could put him, you could slide I think, anywhere one through four. Yeah, you can you can play him. He can defend fours well enough at least. I mean, he doesn't have to be a defensive stopper right out the gates. But you know, the notion that you have to play him at point guard or whatever. I mean, Cade Cunningham. I almost said Cade Kuminga. Cade uh, Cunningham <laughs> is someone. What a player! Yeah, a position, he, he's a player. He's a positionless basketball player. Uh, he's going to handle the ball. He's going to shoot. He's going to score. He's going to pass. He's going to do all that. But he can defend a bunch of positions, and you don't need to have him at a set spot. No, nah, he's 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 this dude is built for today's NBA. Yes. Uh, so I definitely think you could roll him out anywhere between one through four, and I think they the 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 Cavs would do that in a heartbeat, no matter which player it is. Um, so we'll really have to see what ends up happening, and 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 Kaminga he would be an obvious upgrade at this point over whoever we have on the roster that could suit up at that, you know, four position. We'll see. Uh, definitely going to be a lot of questions that Cleveland's going to have to answer in regards to this. And then, like you said, that's going to shape the the look of what happens in free agency. I just, there's just so much up in the air right now, but I am optimistic. I, I really don't know. I've I've given up trying to predict where this team is going to finish at in the lottery because over the, in the last ten years we've had amazing luck in that regard. Yeah, I can't torture myself with Tankathon. I, I'm not a person who just runs Sims every single day, saying where we end up. I just I can't <laughs> do it to myself. I'm, I'm I'm setting myself up for disappointment if I just keep doing that and doing that and doing that. That's exactly but, where I was last year. <laughs> at this point in time, you know, I I. I just knew that that Cleveland was going to finish with a top three pick, and then we when we didn't, <laughs> I was like, "What the?" Well, hell? <laughs> and then and then on top of that, I don't know how you felt about this at the time, but I was a big believer in Obi Toppin going to the Cavs. Oh, oh, you should you should go back and listen to some some old off season Cavalier Central pods. Um. Our, our friend Dan Galinsky has some very had had I should say some very very strong takes about the poor fit of Obi Toppin in Cleveland. But yeah, we were we were very 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 pro Isaac Okoro pre-draft and very 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 anti Obi Toppin. So I can say that. No, I I can definitely see why now uh, at the at this at the point in time the draft was happening, I was I was a little bit indifferent 
on a coral just because I wanted to see a little bit more impact on the offensive end. But considering where this team was at defensively, <laughs> you cannot argue with the pick. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think they, I think they nailed the pick really uh, looking at other guys who were in consideration. You have Obi Toppin, you have Denny Evdia and you have uh, Nick Kong. And I think it's a little too early to make a, you know, firm judgment on Kong Wu just because he was hurt so much this season, but I definitely felt this way before the draft and feel just as strong about it. Now that Isaac Okoro was absolutely the guy for this team. Yeah. And sometimes most of the time with a team in this position, it's, it's usually a draft for, you know, talents over best positional fit or things like that. But I think Cleveland really was in a spot at the five, uh, the fifth overall pick really to have, they really didn't have a choice. Um, and obviously they've been somewhat vindicated, uh, you know, in regards to Obi Toppin, I, I still think he, he can have an excellent career. Um, I'm still a big believer in Toppin, but I just think just looking back at it now, it probably would have been a very poor fit. Well, and for Toppin too, the fit in New York just isn't good. I mean, nobody saw this coming for Julius Randle, and those aren't really two guys who can play on the floor no. together, I don't really think. So I don't expect Obi Toppin to be in New York long. I think he'll either get traded or, you know, whatever else somewhere uh, before too long. And I, I think he could really succeed somewhere else. Uh, you know, even pre-draft, as much as I didn't want Obi Toppin on the Cavs, uh, I'm not denying that the guy, you know, has, you know, a potential all-star ceiling. Uh, just his scoring ability and his athleticism. And if the shot comes around, he could definitely be an impact player for some team. For sure. I mean, okay, let me throw this out there. Kevin Love for Obi Tobin, straight up. <laughs> Would you take that? Oh, my deal? God. Please get Kevin Love's money out of here for Obi Toppin. Oh, my God. I would. Yes. Absolutely. Not thinking twice. Throw me Kevin Love for Kyrie Thomas, who just signed a deal with the Rockets. Please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I I definitely take that in a heartbeat. And I guess that leads me to really maybe my last question of the day for you, man. And that is heading into next season, if the Cavs do not take a four or at least somebody who could fill that role, do you roll Kevin Love out again to start the year? I don't think they're going to have a choice um, unless you can come up with a trade which I have some ideas on. Uh, I've seen John Wall floated out there. I think there's something that could be done there. It's just a matter of, do you want to take on that extra salary? Ooh, uh, do you, do you want to include a guy like Tarian Prince in the deal? Is it even worth it at that point? But I think there may be some things out there that can be done. Will they happen? That is to be seen. But um, I still, I'm not a fan of buying him out or waving him at this point. Uh, I just don't think he'd give back enough money to really make a difference. And I don't want to take a 10 to $12 million cap hit for each of the next five years. And really, I, I think he has more value as, as a player than what his roster spot would be if you didn't stretch him. Uh, having you know just dead cap on your books at $31 million next year, $29 million the next, I'd rather just have Kevin Love than whoever else you could get with that roster spot. I think he's still a good enough player to provide value as long as he's not going to have these outbursts and who knows, maybe you can, especially if you do get a four um, and someone who is kind of that guy of the future, you know, you get Evan Mobley, you get Cade Cunningham, you get Jonathan Kaminga, you know, you, you, you put that guy in front of Kevin Love and say, you know, this is the direction we're heading in. I think he probably understands that uh, and is probably willing to come off the bench. And at this point, you know, you can, you can have the starter title, you know, whatever you want, but it's not like Kevin Love is a guy who's built to play starters minutes anyway. Whether he's coming off the bench or is in the starting lineup, I don't really think matters at this point, at least from a basketball standpoint. From an ego standpoint, maybe it does. But, um, yeah, I think coming off a bench and just playing, you know, 20 minutes a night and being an effective guy in that role, uh, if you can, you know, limit the on-court outbursts, especially if this team is competitive next year, I think that could work. Um, but I still, if you can find a trade for him, you have to take it. You have to take it. Um, I don't think it's worst case scenario if you do bring him back next season, but you have to do everything you can to try to trade him. 
Yeah, man, I just I don't know what to feel about Kevin Love anymore. I definitely think he had there's some value there still. And, you know, I outlined this a couple weeks ago um, for King James Gospel in one of my articles, but I just don't know. And and he's had outbursts since I've written that. So I didn't really and the timing of it was terrible. <laughs> it, it was terrible. It, it it's just it's not a good look for him. I don't know if it's strictly just because the Cavs haven't been in, you know, any type of playoff contention in in years now. But it's just you just shouldn't expect this from a guy who signed the extension. This was it was his choice, you know. He he had a Kevin Love was drinking a little bit of the Kool-Aid of Kobe Altman's and yeah, yeah, we're going to try and compete this year. Um, you know, you, Jr. and Kyle Korver, the new big three. Um, I, I think I, I don't know what he was expecting. Uh, I, I know what he was expecting. I just don't know why he was expecting it. But uh, yeah, definitely Kevin Love's choice to sign the extension. And hey, nobody else is going to offer you that money. So, you know, way to get paid. But um, he had to know this was the route that they were going, man. And I think even if Kevin Love had just stayed healthy this whole time, which is out of his control, uh, things wouldn't be this bad with him. Uh, it's just a culmination of obviously the team around him fell apart and his body fell apart. Uh, and I think we're in about as poor of a situation as you could be in with Kevin Love, you know, outside of, you know, a career ending injury for him. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely not, where we, not where we want to be with Kevin Love right now. Yeah. I, I think that. uh, I guess the the best case scenario for Love, if you do happen to, you know, have to roll into the year with him, is that he comes off the bench and provides anywhere from 20 to 26 minutes a game. And if Cleveland is actually in a position to contend, at least for a playoff positioning. Which I think they will be, honestly. Yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm, I'm high on what we've seen from the young players this season and whatever draft pick we end up with whatever acquisitions we have in free agency i, I definitely think this team has enough to get at least to the play in game i th- and i thought that this year barring injuries i think this was a playoff caliber team um and in in the lowest possible capacity i definitely thought that they would have been able to make the play in had they not had had to deal with so many injuries but specifically in regards to k-love next year i think the best case scenario for him is if and I, I really think his whole mentality shifts if this team makes the playoffs next year absolutely yeah um i think to to begin the year i think he really he had a lot of faith just like the just like most Cavs fans i think he had a lot of faith in this roster um even you know as different as it is now I think that as the season progressed and as things just kept getting worse and worse in regards to, you know, his own injuries in regard um, and, and with everything else, everybody, uh, everybody else has had to deal with. I think his, his mentality just kind of, it, it, it obviously did a 180 and we've seen mm-hmm. outburst over the years, but <laughs> this year is definitely taking the cake. But uh <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm I'm just so conflicted on him at this point. I I don't think he should be starting anymore, but I obviously think that he provides value. Trade him for John Wall. John Wall is your backup point guard. You know, I'm John just Wall. saying. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I I still think John Wall has a lot left in the tank, uh, but I, I really I think I think John Wall has more left in the tank than Kevin Love. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I just don't know. And if, if you can convince him to be a bench guy on a team that's fighting for the playoffs, hey, you know. Again, yeah. with the Allen extension kicking in, you had to consider luxury tax. And if you don't want to do that, that's not Kobe Altman's fault. You know, that's a Dan Gilbert decision. Um, you know, at the same – if you want to go with, you know, take on more salary, again, you can make the choice of whether giving up Tarian Prince in a deal like that would be worth it. But, hey, I'm just saying, we talk about backup point guards <laughs> – John Wall's not a bad boy, not a bad backup point guard. That might be one of the best backup point guards in the league. Uh, I would definitely go as far to say that he could obviously start on a number of teams still. Uh, But I just, I questioned whether or not Houston would go for that. Obviously, I think they would love to get that. I think Houston would go for that. Yeah. Save some money. I mean, they're not trying to do anything. 
Why not? I mean, John Wall, the quote unquote untradeable contract was just traded. Trade him again. I mean, you're not looking for active. You're not actively looking for his services as a basketball player. You're just waiting for his contract to come off the books. And if you can take a smaller cap, you know, a smaller cap hit in Kevin Love, saving almost like $7 million a year, more than $7 million a year as the contract goes on. I definitely think Tillman Fertitta goes for that. How many years does he have left on his deal? He has two years, same as Kevin. Okay, yeah, so I, I get you. I could actually see that working. I mean, Kevin Kevin is making thirty one point two next season and twenty eight point nine the season after. Uh, John Wall is making forty four point three million next season with a forty seven point three six player option the year after. It could work. It could. It could definitely work. You need to get on the phone with with Kobe Altman and and work some magic on this one. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely be the best case scenario in regards to veteran backup point guard help. But I I still question whether or not John Wall would want to come off the bench, and that'd be a whole. Hey, at issue. this point in his career, with the injuries he's dealing with, again, like I don't know that he would want to. I'm just guessing that he might be okay with it. But on a team that's fighting for the playoffs. When he has like two clear guys, maybe three clear guys, if you bring Jalen Green and, you know, you have Sexton and Garland, like that's clearly your future. You just bring him in to, you know, bring a punch off the bench and obviously be like a featured player still just in a different role. I think it could work. That's just me, (laughs) but I think it could work. I mean, I definitely there. There's definitely validity in that. I would love to see that. Uh, (laughs) Who knows? But uh, man, with that being said, Thanks for coming on. You know, I, I definitely enjoy being on Cap Central, but to pull you over, come on my show, that definitely <laughs> that means a lot to me. And like I was saying, man, the, the, the whole Cavs community as a whole is podcasters, best community in the NBA. A lot of great people, for sure. Definitely. Uh, with that being said, guys, I'm going to go ahead and close out today's episode. As always, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can – at it's cavalier underscore pod on Twitter. You know, if you want to talk any topics that you've heard on today's episode, or if you just want to, you know, ask me a question, but uh, thanks again. And don't forget to rate and leave a review. That definitely helps. Have a good day. Appreciate it.